Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the smartest guy in the room. You know who we are. Jerry over here. Matt on the other side. What's going on, big dog? Man, I'm, uh, you know, any doubt I had about this morning has been erased by your outfit. Well, to be clear, I had to dress like this almost every day for a very long time. And, um, you know, there's there's some fun in getting dressed up and wearing nice clothes. But like everything else, once you do it long enough, you just becomes its own prison, right? Yeah, I wear a sports coat every single day to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to wear a tie every single day to work, and then they ease the uh, tie restrictions. But I don't mind ties. <clears throat> I don't like dress shirts, but I don't mind ties. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh but yeah, yeah, I hear you. I didn't. I don't wear suits, and you got a pretty styling suit there. Well, like I said, typically my uniform was a little more muted. Um, I chose to dress a little fancier because uh, I wanted to embody what it really means to be a salesman. Um, you know, our topic today, folks, is why do we hate salespeople? Um, you could put them up there with lawyers and dog catchers, I guess. And Matt, anyone, any other profession that you really just find repe- repellent? <laughs> I don't know work. big words. Postal workers. <laughs> they shoot people. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a well, joke. you know, that whole that I'm, was based in going postal. I mean, there's a there's like a pseudo post office near us. That is called going postal, and it's you know, obviously meant tongue in cheek. I hope. <laughs> By the way, uh, I'm wondering as I look at you in a dress shirt, tie, and suit coat, uh, if you're doing the anchorman thing where you have like shorts on. Oh, I definitely am not wearing pants. <laughs> Perfect. I will tell you, it's pretty nice, though. I can actually fit into almost every pair of pants that I've bought over the last, like, 15 years. Because I don't throw things away. I don't know about you. I've given some stuff to Goodwill. A couple suits in here and there. But, My um, wife, who's very small, <clears throat> and she's 4'10", and tiny person, she still has clothes. She's in her late 50s. Uh She's in good shape, though, because she's a former gymnast. Um, she can still fit into clothes from her high school years that, that she still has. Yeah, that was my follow-up question. So she still has these. But isn't it great how you have clothing that you know is like before your children were born that you probably still wear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have clothing from when my... I, I'm See, I'm... Uh, I don't like as... I, I don't I don't I don't like to hoard things. I like to clear things out. So I constantly am bringing clothes to the uh, Salvation Army, uh, you know, dumpster. Yep. Just to clean my closet. So. Yeah, I wait till my wife. I used to wait till my wife would go out of town on work, and I would attack her closet because she's um. I would say kind of a junior pack rat. That makes yeah. sense. Not full blown like some of the people on the TV shows, but definitely, you know, things that she knows. And it's always things that she absolutely will never wear again. But yet they're 
they're taking up room in the house. And it's nice because I used to just like throw a bunch of stuff in the back of my pickup truck and go right to the dump. <laughs> and it's almost like, I don't know if it's liberating, but I mean, I would have a little song in my heart as I just threw garbage bags full of her clothing into the dumpster. I yeah, I uh, there's clothes that my wife still wears that she should not be wearing anymore. And mm-hmm. I've learned rather than complain, what I've been doing for the last many years is when I help with, you know, the household chores and I do laundry, if I come across those items of clothing of hers that I don't like, well, let's just say she never sees them again. Yep. <laughs> they get lost. <laughs> the best part is they'll never remember. She you know? never remembers, ever. I made the mistake of throwing a bunch of my daughter's kindergarten art out one time. Yeah. It's not so much that I threw it out. It said I left it on top of the garbage can, and then my daughter saw it. <laughs> uh, see, th- th- that's the one thing I don't throw out. Uh, my kids are in their 20s. Son's in his late 20s. Daughter's in her mid-20s. I still have almost all of the art they ever made. I have it filed away tucked away once in a while I pull it out and I just laugh my ass off at it. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, we I, take I pictures of it and have it on the iCloud, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we have, I don't throw it all out. My, my children make an abundant amount of art. So I have like those plastic, uh, containers filled with a lot of their art and I actually hang it and display it in, in the house too. So yeah. I get it. Just sometimes it's just uh, I get overwhelmed. <laughs> who's the who's the soldier you have over your shoulder? So a couple of themes we got going today, like salesmen, like like we are starting off. As much as classic salesmen, like car salesmen, or or guys that are out to rip you off or separate your your money from you, um, you know. At the end of the day, they're kind of necessary. And one of the greatest salesmen of all time is sitting over my shoulder. And I know people throughout history has got a probably mixed bag would be the best way to describe it. But that's Winston Churchill when he was a young man in his little army suit. And, you know, if he did not sell the United States on entering World War II... Uh, you know, might be a different story today. I don't know. So I just, uh, I think of him as a great salesman. Um, I don't know what other people think of him, a great drunk, just, you know, other things. Um, he didn't like the Irish. So I guess, uh, you know, maybe I should have an edge against him. (laughs) He did a lot of evil things to, to the Irish people, but again, you know, uh, it's a mixed bag like anything else in this world. He's a, he was a good-looking lad. I, man, if you wonder what happened, well, I mean, I guess the booze, but look at him. He's pretty spelt there in that that military uniform. He's almost a handsome-looking devil, and, and bear <laughs> I say, he almost looks like a young Mickey Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a show on Mickey Rooney. I'll state my case against that bastard. When I came across this picture, I was like, I, I made that three-way connection you know, the way my idiot brain works, I was like, he looks like Mickey Rooney, but does he look like Otis? <laughs> and does Man, he look like Goose? in that photo? Do you know? Oh, he's probably 20, 22, maybe. Huh. Interesting. Yep. So salesman, sales, sales and salesman. 
What say you? Well, I did a little deconstructing of it, and I just thought, you know, you grow up as a kid. I hated salesmen. I hated people because, you know, I try to really understand where the hate comes from, and a lot of hate comes from fear, right? I'm afraid of people that know more than me, especially people that I think are trying to manipulate me and, and you know, fuck me over, right? Just to put it simple. And I think salesmen in general, like lawyers, I'm going to connect the two because I, I don't know why. I just they, they're, they seem to be well-dressed, overpaid, obnoxious people. And, you know, they're pushy. I don't know if you remember trying to buy your first car, but didn't you just feel like you needed a shower after sitting with the salesman in a dealership? Have you ever done that? Maybe I should ask you that first. Well, I just bought a car a couple of weeks ago, and I feel the same way walking out of those places now as I did when I was a young man. I always feel like I've got robbed. Always. I'm Now, some of this, and you bring up a good point, you know, uh, about just fearing people who know more than you. Um, while I generally don't like dealing with car salesmen, car saleswomen, car salespeople, to begin with, I'm admittedly a terrible uh, car buyer, you know. Um, I'm bad at haggling. I'm bad at uh, all that stuff. And I think a reason I'm bad at it is I just think I'm going to get taken no matter what. And I have little patience. And But every time I walk out of those places, I feel like I've been robbed. Now, is that the only place you feel like that? I mean, as a 50-something-year-old man, you've bought probably multiple houses, right? I mean, do you feel the yeah. same way about a real estate agent when you're buying and selling your house? I mean, they make a lot more money on the transaction than your average car salesman makes on a car transaction. Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in the process of buying a house right now. And, uh, cause, uh, we're, we're moving back to Buffalo. My wife took a transfer there last week. So, uh, Beautiful. um, I, uh, and the real estate market is just absolutely crazy right now. Homes are going for $60,000 over the asking price. Homes that that are on the market to begin with for too much are going for $60,000 over the asking price. And I, I asked a lot of realtors, like, you know, what's going on? And, you know, what's going on with the pricing and blah, blah, blah. Several Several people I had dealt with, their answers were... Just you could just tell it was like company line, industry line type bullshit. Then mm. I found a realtor who just I felt like she was giving me the straight story. Right. And uh, then I went out to see a couple houses and I really liked her straight attitude, you know, and and I ended up saying, OK, I'm going to work with you. So, you know, I yeah, I agree. A lot of realtors, I don't find them as slimy as car sales people, but I find them playing cards close to the vest. And um, I don't know why I'm willing to work harder to find a real estate person than I am to find a car person. Uh, Can I guess? Go ahead. Because you're lazy. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot I, of work talking to all these people. 
Well, I, you know, again, cars is the the whole going back to what you said. You know, dealing with people who know more than you. Uh, I'll never understand the car game. You know, so uh, so I mean, I, I'm sure that has something to do with it. So well, what kind of salesman were you? Probably the kind you'd want to deal with. Um, when I first got into sales, I thought the first thing I thought was, I'm not going to bullshit anyone. I'm going to pretend I am them. I'm going to put myself in their shoes. And how would I want to be talked to or sold to? Right. And I would. So it's a little more from a consultative point of view. And my career, the, 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 the job I spent the most time in my career doing, I was more in business development with companies you know, that were selling uh, my company's equipment. So what I liked about that was I could vicariously experience an entrepreneur's point of view without all, taking on all the risk. And, you know, I would sit down with the business owner and say, this is where we're going to be in a year. And these are the things we're going to do together. And I would work with them hand in hand. And then when that year was up, we could look back and go, hey, look at we accomplished together. So from my point of view, it wasn't really selling. It was building business together. But the simple fact for me was that I had a huge company backing me up. Um, that was paying me, you know, a uh, pretty good chunk of change to do this job. So, I mean, it motivated me because there were just a lot of different little payoffs. And again, I, in, at the heart of what I did was I'm helping someone make money, which was a, I'm a, like, I like to help people. Right. Which shouldn't come as a shock, but at the same time, I really got a charge out of that. Whereas some people, and I've worked with people, like, I like to make people do my bidding. I had a friend who sold ties in New York City on the street, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's funny because Trump, of all the things, you know, you could think of when we say Donald Trump, um, carnival barker was the term I heard someone use that resonated to me. Because I've been, you've been to the Jersey Shore walking down the, the, the boardwalk and the, the barkers trying to get you to you know, get your palm read or play right. the game or whatever. I mean, that's exactly what that kind of guy was or Trump was, but also my buddy <clears throat> who sold the ties and he got a charge out of every day. Like, can I sell more ties than the idiot across the street? Or can right. I get more customers coming to me than the other people I'm competing with? And everyone's got their motivation. So, you know, I don't know. You've been a salesman, haven't you? <laughs> well, indulge me a little bit here because this is this this is a little bit of a long story, but this also plays into the uh, how I have learned to really respect salespeople, uh, good ones, because I think selling and sales, like anything, but like I think it's an art form. And I think it's one of the hardest, hardest professions there is in terms of being a good salesperson. You know, like you, there's a ton of salespeople 
there's a lot of bad ones, but I think to be a good one is like a real skill and it's a skill I re- I do respect a lot. But when I was in my mid twenties, uh, you know, my wife and I were living down New York, sit down near New York city and it just wasn't working out for us. The economy was really bad. We were really struggling. My wife was having trouble establishing herself because we just had a, our first kid. And back then you could still kind of get away with, uh, uh, discriminating against pregnant women, you know? Uh, so she, she was having a really hard time finding a job and, and establishing herself during her pregnancy and she's a worker. So it really like was bothering her. And when we had the child, I wanted to suddenly raise him around family. And and it was just, I think I had a midlife crisis at 27. So I convinced her to move back to Buffalo with me at a time when the economy was awful and there were no jobs anywhere. And Buffalo was in a real bad place, blah, blah, blah. So I ran into a friend of ours, a mutual friend that you and I have from high school on the street because I couldn't find a job anywhere. And he said, tell you what, why don't you come to work for my firm? You'll get thrown into a 90-day training program and uh, you'll draw a paycheck and for those 90 days. After that, it's commission. But he goes, by then you should have found a job by then. So kind of threw me a lifeline. And I went to work for his firm that sold it was they were life they were sold life insurance and uh investments. <clears throat> and I was a fish out of water. I was terrible at this job. Um I just don't have the skills that a good salesman should have, but I it was a kind of a big firm and it was it was divided. There was a good interesting division of veteran salespeople who were really professional and really good. And young salespeople who their interest, you could tell, was in having the sharpest Brooks Brothers suit in the nicest car. And, um, you know, so it, it, it turned me off, uh, by and large, the profession. But the salespeople that in that firm that were really good, they were, first of all, they were good people. So I think that matters in terms of being a good salesman. Uh, mm-hmm. The good salespeople at that firm were just good people. They worked really hard. And like you said, they didn't, to me at least, when I watched them, it didn't feel like they were bullshitting people. That Instead, they were helping people. And you could tell the salespeople that are just out to make a buck. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, so I came away. I ended up getting fired from that position because I needed to sell nine policies in three months, and I only sold two, one to my wife and one to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, but I gained a real big respect for for good salespeople, and you know, I have a good realtor. Uh, I've in my life, so I really respect the job she does. I have uh, an excellent insurance person, life insurance and investment person who I really rely on. And I never get, you know, I know he's always looking out for my best interest. He's not looking out to make a buck, you know. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's looking out to make a buck, but like I feel like he's helping me and bringing value to my life. But, you know, 
it's the it's the other people like the car sales people who I just always feel it's interesting that you have that because um I've taken a lot of sales classes over the years and <clears throat> a long time ago I took this um class on negotiating okay this it was pretty good it wasn't the typical uh you know cookie cutter like you know like a seven habits book where you look at that book and you're like i know all these things so it's really just somebody's opportunity to like tell you some great stories about how great they are um but this one especially as it related to car buying um i would actually go to a dealership with no intention of buying a car and I would find the worst looking salesman and act interested, test drive, just make up some bullshit and just watch him try to close me. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I'd just be like, okay, well, I'll get back to you. And they, they would try to hustle their ass off not to let me out that door, you know, without trying to sign some kind of shit. Right. Um, <clears throat> and it was just amazing. But you have to have in your mind like you have to work on your will and your determination to be like because they can be very persuasive and some of them are amazingly persuasive okay and um the last time i bought a car i drove to the dealership basically again i'm not trying to teach anyone how to buy a car but it's a pretty good um method so you find the car you fucking want on your own and we can do that now with internet. Back in the day, you had to go to a stupid dealership and kick tires with the guy, right? It's a great day to buy a car. <laughs> I walked into a dealership one time with my brother. I was helping him get a car. And he had to trade in a car. It was a whole fiasco, right? Long story short, we walk in and there's a big fat guy smoking a cigarette. And he's like, hey, guys. Good day to buy a car, right? <laughs> and my brother goes, We're just kicking tires today. <laughs> and the guy's like, Yeah, kicking tires. I like it. So, anyway, uh, basically, he works out a whole lease with this guy. And I hate fucking liars as much as I like being one if I know I can get away with it. It's a very <laughs> inverse kind of thing. This guy goes, Well, you know, when you lease a car, you don't pay an interest rate. And I'm like, well, that's a fucking lie. And I said it. I didn't. I left the F out of it. I'm like, you're lying. He's like, what? I'm like, there's a lease factor. What is it? And, you, you know, I had already done all the research, which, again, educate yourself if you want to be a good consumer. And I'll wrap this story up to say that once I caught him lying, I looked at my brother and said, we're not buying a motherfucking car from him just on principle alone. And my brother was like, yeah. So we got up to leave and they they followed us into the fucking parking lot like cat calling us and i couldn't stop laughing i was laughing so fucking hard and my brother was like so angry and i'm telling you had i not been there with him he was a younger guy inexperienced nothing you know but he smelled bullshit and the minute he smelled bullshit we we're out of there right and it's like why can't you just do your fucking job and sell me the stupid car i want you know so long story back to me i walked into this dealership I wrote out a check for about 1500 bucks lower than the advertised price of the car. I went to the salesman. I handed him the check and I had test drove it. I'd already kind of been in and out of the place once or twice. I said, 
here, sell me the car for that. He's like, I can't do it. And I'm like, well, then tear up the check and I'll leave. But I want to watch you tear up the check. Oh, because that car has been on your lot for three weeks and it's sitting there costing you money every day. So you might as well sell me the fucking car right now. I'm like, go talk to your manager. I'll give you five minutes. Do whatever you got to do. You know, go have a smoke. (laughs) So they sold me the car. And so you don't you don't give away your leverage and you don't know. That's the thing I learned in this uh, negotiating class was you don't know what kind of pressure this other asshole is under to sell cars. But you know what pressure you're under. So, it's you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes is a good thing, especially when as a salesman, you know, I put my pressure on the side and go, I want to help this person to make a good decision. And I had the luxury of working at a really good company that I knew what I was selling was to their benefit and to good for them. So the, my, the other thing I would say to any fledgling salespeople is if you're selling shit, then get out of it and find something better to do with your time. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I have a sales guy that I use for cars too now. And with my wife and kids and blah, 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 I bought a good number of cars from the person, uh, because I like the person and he's the only one on the lot. He's a, he's this like little Jamaican guy, young kid, probably like 31. And he is the only one on the lot that dresses professionally. Mm-hmm. Everyone at every salesperson at this place, you know, they, and he works for Facillo, you know, who they have dealerships all over the East coast. Uh, from New York down to Florida. But, uh, you know, you pull into this lot and all the salesmen are wearing matching golf shirts. They're wearing cargo shorts, sneakers. They're outside waiting for people to pull in the lot, smoking cigarettes. And, (laughs) and that, and, and that makes me insane. And then this one salesman is off on his own, dressed really professionally always appears to be working hard, never standing still, smoking a cigarette, anything like that. So I just, I kind of respected his work ethic and, you know, his his professional pride to not dress like a slob every day. Yeah. And I never feel like he's screwing me, but I always feel like the finance people that he has to report to when we're trying to work out a deal are putting pressure on him. And I still never walk out of there feeling like I've gotten a good deal. But I do, like what you just said, put myself in his position. But, um, yeah, maybe I should take you with me next time I buy a car. I would be happy to do it. I love uh, salespeople. I love hearing their pitches. Um, Still interest me, you know, even though I'm, quote, unquote, out of that game, so to speak. You're never out of the game of sales. Everybody at some point is selling something, right? We're selling this podcast. Come listen to us. Take a walk with us. Have a drink with us. You know, I've had some of our our um, listeners send me emails just saying, I love when I'm driving in the car. I can put on you two, listen to you. I connect with it. You make me laugh. You say funny things, but you also say insightful things. I mean, again, as a salesman or just a person or a student of life, that makes me feel good. Whether and we don't, you know, I mean, you and I are probably never getting rich off this podcast. (laughs) At the same time, I will do it and I'll put time and effort into it because I enjoy it. 
And hopefully if I impart some kind of knowledge or half-assed wisdom to some people, then I feel like I've accomplished something. I, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's fun. Uh, We're not out to change the world, but uh, isn't going back to sales, isn't, isn't, aren't we all selling sales is pretty much a, a way of life, right? You're, you're, everyone, you're selling the Matt Smith experience. Always. Right. That's I mean, who you, you go are. Out, you go out and you professionally, whatever you do, you're probably in, in every single day, you're selling yourself to the people yep. you work with. You're selling your ideas. You're, you know, you, there, there's no monetary exchange, but like, you know, uh, you want people to believe in you. So there's always that element of you're selling yourself, you know? Um, it just reminds me, uh, <clears throat> the, like you said before, the older guys that are more real, they're, they're probably more themselves. And that's, you, you mentioned something about that. One of your sales jobs, the, the younger dogs still got a lot to prove and they're, they're covering up their, um, lack of confidence with their bravado. But I, I used to work with an older, very, very seasoned professional sales guy who just was amazing and just funny and, you know, probably could have been a comedian or anything he wanted to be because he was just so damn funny. But we were in a meeting one time and, you know, it was a big meeting with a bunch of egos in it and everyone's trying to make fun of each other to be the smartest guy in the room, shockingly enough. And this guy just looks at some guy who was being a dick and he goes, you know, I could put you on one street corner and I could put a dog with a sign that says, buy our product on the other corner and i'm going with the dog selling more than you asshole (laughs) (laughs) and everyone in the room laughed and the guy who was being a dick just like withered up (laughs) it was amazing to watch i I really me i really love those older especially like in the insurance business i really love like the older experienced really professional salesperson who they can just make a sale and you don't even know that they're selling, you know, they, they're, you don't yeah. even know that they're making a sale, like, but like they can just, they can just help someone at the same time, close a deal. And it just doesn't even seem like you're in a position like a seller buyer transaction. You know, they're just so good and so not full of bullshit. And before you know yep. it, like they've closed a sale. Like I've always respected that kind of skill because again, I think sales is like one of the hardest professions because you're, you're, you're separating someone from their money. You know, when I was, I was being a journalist, I would interview like parents whose children were murdered like 12 hours prior to our discussion. And I would sit there and think, I would sit there and think like, it's just remarkable. This person is willing to talk to me. And their son was just gunned down 12 hours ago. And I think, and I still, I, and when I, but when I really like dissect it, I think that's easier than trying to separate someone from their money, you know? Well, yeah, but, but to your point, the whole writing out of that purchase order, you know, part of the craft of being a salesman is no one to stop selling. But also the influence piece is there's books that are written about influence that are really good. 
um, and help you understand the psychology behind it. But what you're really trying to do is educate, inform, and allow a person to make that decision their own. Like I sell my kids on stuff. I don't say eat your fucking food or I'm going to beat you to death. Um, like my dad I did. could. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have to get told that. Just like when it came to really awful like liver. It's the only thing my mom made. And I don't know why she even made it. But she would burn the shit out of it and then expect us to eat it. And I remember like putting a piece of it in my pocket and taking it to my dog's dish. And I don't think my dog would even need it. <laughs> <laughs> my father, my brother always re refused to eat stuff. And my father would make him sit at the dinner table for like three hours. Uh, Cube steaks. <laughs> it goes back to uh, something I've read. And I don't know, maybe I heard it from you, but it's like. People will not always remember you, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah, and that's powerful. And it's true. It's funny, guys. I just got a, a, a message from a guy that I know that I played soccer with for a really long time. He's from Brazil. And just, just the other day, and he sent me a message that said, and it just, it, I was, it was out of the blue, and it said, I don't know if I'm a good person, but you always make me feel that way, Matt. And I was like, you know, where did this come from? Because we weren't talking. It was just a message he took upon himself to send me mm -hmm. out of the blue. And it was, uh, I don't know, that message has stuck with me. So you're, it's funny you bring that up because I guess you're right. Well, again, I never considered myself very good at selling or being a salesman. <laughs> but I've, I've had kind of similar uh, feedback like what you just said. I wasn't really pushy or obnoxious. I had my moments, trust me. But people would, you know, they would just say, I don't know if you're a good salesman, but I always like hanging out with you. <laughs> so I was like, eh, I'll take that. So, let me ask you, when you did have those moments, is it was yeah. it because you were sensing desperation or something like that? Job stress? What, like well, what, what drives salesmen to have those moments? Uh, there was a pecking order where I worked that, um, let me put it this way. We had to have a number every week and at the end of the month, it would get more pressure. And at the quarter, it would be more pressure. And at the end of the fiscal year, all the people, everyone's running around screaming at each other like chickens with their heads cut off because I was the type of person I was, I would reject other people's pressure on me to get shit done. I would just do what I knew I had to do. Um, but like one time, one of my partners had a, a PO and they weren't going to book it till Monday. And they got it Friday night. And I said, absolutely not. We need that. So I called their purchasing agent, screamed at him, offered to give him some money. He went into the office. This is before you could dial in, you know, remotely. He had to go to the office put in this big order. This is all legit, but it is and it isn't, right? Anyway, Monday morning came, the CEO of this company calls me and he goes, hey, Jer, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> and I'm like, hello. And he's like, hey, last time I checked, my fucking employees don't motherfucking work for you. <laughs> and he like just tore me a new ass. And I was like pretty hard on his employee. So like that just sticks in my mind of the asshole things that I would do to get my job done which ended up being just screaming at other people. And we would have 
sales reps that would yell at their customers. I mean, that was my customer effectively. But we would have, we, I'll put it this way. I had a friend of mine who was a salesman. His customer didn't even know that he was their salesman anymore because they thought they'd gotten him fired off their account. Right. Because he would call them and yell at them to order all the time. And so, like, the engineer and the partner would be the only people that would talk to the client. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but there was, I would ignore the internal pressure and say, my job is to help my customers make good decisions. And if anyone ever questioned me, I'd be like, I know who I work for and I know who signs my paycheck, but this is what you hired me to do, so I'm going to do it. I never really had to have that kind of conversation. But I had that mentality. Does that, does that make sense? Don't yell at your customers. Yeah. Or if you have to. I mean, I've been kicked out of a customer office because they didn't like uh, some policies that our company implemented. And this guy invited me. I drove 40 minutes with my engineer to this guy's office just so he could tell me to go fuck myself and that he hated my company <laughs> and he hated all the people at my company. And he said, now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> then he called, he tried to call our CEO, but somehow he got, you know, he, it never, the message never got to our CEO. Um, but I mean, you will always find, you know, some customers aren't good customers. <laughs> I guess this is where I was going with that. Yeah. So, you, you know, we're all people and you have to understand them, but just because they have money to spend doesn't mean, you know, if they're going to waste more of your time than it's worth, sometimes you have to fire a customer. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. There's no, so there's, what, nothing, there's no shame in that either. But so bringing it home, what did we learn today? We learned that the sales world is full of good and bad people, like everyone else, and we shouldn't just shame the industry on a few bad apples. <laughs> <laughs> and also, that sales isn't for everyone. <laughs> I'm Exhibit A. Do I get the PO, Mr. Smith? <laughs> Sign on the line, which is dotted. Yeah. How long are you going to keep that suit coat and tie on? Uh, about three more seconds. <laughs> I'm already All right. itchy. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care, bud. Stay, Stay free. Bye. Bye.